If you were to ask Greco-Roman astronomer, geographer, mathematician, astrologer and poet Claudius Ptolemy, who was alive in the 2nd century AD by the way, about the shape of the universe, he would have said something like this. The earth is fixed in the middle and the earth is surrounded by various spheres. The first sphere is that of the moon, the second that of Mercury, the third that of Venus, the fourth the sphere of the sun, the fifth of Mars, the sixth of Jupiter, but the seventh sphere, or heaven, is that of Saturn, or Cronus, the king of all the gods. And so to be in seventh heaven is therefore to be with the king of all the gods. Welcome to episode 18 of Cop On, you crumbly, fruity little cupcake. I'm sure, like me, you've been orbiting Saturn, feeling both boomps-a-daisy and cock-a-hoop, ever since a beautiful girl by Mohammed Salah and a squeal-inducing wonder-save from Alison Becker blasted Jurgen Klopp's rocket reds into the next round of the Champions League. Joining me on sunbeds to bask in the afterglow of that rocket fuel was Mattia and Sahil. I, I, excuse me, I'm tired today. I had about four hours sleep. I just kept replaying Mo Salah's goal and Alison's save and various moments of the match. It just kept going on in my head. I was full of adrenaline. I was like Keanu Reeves's character in Point Break before he surfs and parachutes and does all that crap that he does in that film. I felt like that all night. I was just constantly surfing the big waves of emotional joy. Um, before the match, Jurgen Klopp, he said, we'll get what we deserve. And I think we thoroughly deserve to go through. And that was a hell of a match. Uh, Sahil, I'll go, I'll go to you first. Tell me, we deserved it, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely. I, I saw that interview uh, with Klopp at the end of the match as well. And I think what he was referring to was that when we went to Red Star, when we went to uh, PSG and Napoli away, we didn't deserve to win. We absolutely didn't deserve to win. And if today we had lost because we were outplayed, then, you know, we got what we deserved. But we, we played well, and I think I agree with Klopp completely. We did, we did get what we deserved. I think Napoli wouldn't argue. We deserve to win that game. Totally. Yeah. What about you, Mathieu? Yes, um, I thought the same. Um, after the Napoli and the Red Star away games, uh, you know, the group stage is only six games. If you don't show up for two of them, you don't really deserve to to get through it and to go to the next stage. Um, but I think last night we we did uh, show enough uh, enough passion and uh, intensity to actually deserve it. Yeah, passion and intensity. We had it in abundance. It was absolutely beautiful to watch. Um, I was like, do you know... In in the in the nineties, I don't know how how old are you? If I don't, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you, Mathieu? Uh, I'm twenty six. Twenty six, and how old are you, Sahil? I'm about twenty three. 
Ah, oh, you young pups. You might not remember, around about 1990, Arsenal were really good. And throughout the 90s, they were a good team. And whenever the ball got anywhere near the goal, when they used to play at Highbury, there was a lady, I don't know who it was, but she screamed. Ah! She screamed so much, so loudly with all of her heart, every time there was danger at Highbury. And I turned into the screaming Highbury lady for the last 15 minutes of that match. My, my nerves were jangling, tingling. They were, they were exploding with fear and fury. Um... How were, how were your nerves, Matthew? I mean, were you just sitting there relaxed, looking at our goalkeeper, looking at our colossal centre-half, going, yeah, we've got this? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, I did enjoy the first half. Uh, good atmosphere at the bar uh, where I was. Uh, lots of singing. Uh, the first 15 minutes were really, really tense. Uh, I, I think Napoli started to dominate. But then we kind of... Uh, Turned the game the game around, so it got it got a little bit easier for my for my nerves. But then the second half was just uh, one of the worst uh, I've ever I've ever witnessed. I just couldn't sing anymore, couldn't move, just hoping for the best. And uh, yeah, the last five minutes were were just epic. What about you, Sahil? Yeah, I agree. Um, you know what's weird is I found like throughout this season, every single game is so important because Man City doing so well as well. So I've been tense in every single game. But today, or yesterday, sorry, because of how many chances we'd missed, it made me even more tense. Because I realised that if we lost now, in the last 10 minutes, after missing all those chances, that would have been so bad for, for motivation, I think. That wouldn't have helped at all. Um, but I, felt, I, felt, I definitely think there's a difference now, when I see the ball go into the box, every single time uh, last season, the ball went into the box, it could have been a goal. Every single time. This season, you know, Alisson and Van Dijk, I don't feel that same level of tenseness. It's just so, sort of, it's constant now. It's not like a peaks and troughs like it was last year. Yeah, I agree. I have the I have the same thing. Although I'm I'm a little bit scarred from uh, years of of Mignolet and before that an aging Pepe Reina, where I you know the jitters lasted for years, and I think there's some kind of post traumatic stress from that, uh, and uh, you know from Carrius last year, and uh, I still I can't help it, even though I know that you know we've got some great defenders back there. Um, I just can't help it um but yeah where did you watch the match Sahil? um so i'm at uni so I, I just had to watch it at home um on the laptop excellent and were you were your were your your roommates were they were they worried about you because you were you were screaming your head off yeah they always are but i think they just put their like noise cancelling headphones on and uh, get on with it <laughs> okay yeah, I mean, you could be getting murdered or it could be a Liverpool Champions League match. It was great because um, the, the fat mate, the house next door, I now realise that they're also Liverpool fans because I could hear them screaming at the same time. Oh, brilliant. Excellent. Yeah, good. So there you go. You found some, some family for the next match. Uh, Marvellous. And uh, I'll stay with you, Sahil. Who, who, who were the, the best performers for you on the night? Um... To be fair, I think everyone was very good, but just because how... I think people before the match, they were most afraid 
about Jordan Henderson's performance. They were most afraid that he was going to have a bad game and he was going to cost them, you know, Champions League. And the way he performed in the midst of that, for that reason alone, I think he was the best performer because he was on a lot, of, so much pressure, more than anyone else, I felt. And he did really well. Oh, that's, a, that's a good answer. What about you, Mathieu? I clearly like this idea of uh, giving the Man of the Match award to Jordan Henderson, but uh, I will have to go with uh, Andy Robertson. Uh, he's just never, never ceases to, to amaze me this season. And uh, as I said before, um, the first 15 minutes of the game were, were just really, really complicated for the team. Mm. Napoli, Napoli clearly had the, had the ball. Uh, we just couldn't do anything. Uh, yeah, nothing was uh, nothing was really working for us. And the only player that stood out for 15 minutes was Andy Robertson. That's true. That's true. Yeah, his first touch was always quality, like just getting rid of the first player, the first opponent, then opening some space and uh, just allowing the team to to breathe for five seconds, which five seconds are just uh, everything in uh, in games with this uh, intensity. Yeah, I, I, I mean the flying Scotsman is a good choice, and and Henderson was was superb. Yes, especially in the second half, I thought uh, the way he was zipping his passes around. But Andy Robertson, the Robertson, the the, the flying Scotsman, he's he's a bit of a freak. I mean, I love the guy. I love the guy so much. Um, but I think I would go for Mo Salah, because for me. I think he's a wonderful footballer and I think he should have won the Ballon d'Or. I think he's the best footballer in Europe at the moment. And I base that on, for example, and there are lots of examples, he scored four goals and got an assist in a week against Burnley, against Bournemouth last night. And last night he was just somebody who... You know, in a special game, under a special pressure, he put on a special performance. And he absolutely caused all of Napoli's defence so many troubles. And uh, he could have scored two, three. He could have got a couple of assists. I mean, what did you what did you think of his performance, uh, Mathieu? Yes, uh, especially during the first half, I think um, we had... Uh, lots of difficulties to to actually move the ball forward and to find our strikers. I don't remember anything good coming from Sadio Mane for the first uh, 45 minutes. Um, I think Firmino did okay, like just uh, using his role of a uh, couple of touches, uh, like uh, trying to to dictate uh, the game. But Salah was the, actually the only one just uh, making all the difference. And especially having uh, a defender like Koulibaly just in front of him. I mean, uh, I think Koulibaly is arguably you know, the, the best defender in the world at the moment. Mm. With like, um, you could see the first 20 minutes, uh, he won he won six or seven battles in a row. But then Salah created this uh, this moment of magic where he just um, he just decided to open space for himself by by kind of uh, pushing the defender, and then. Uh, and then we saw what happened. Uh, beautiful goal. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, wonderful. Sahil, what do you think? I thought it was very interesting that... Because this is the first big game 
um, of the season where I thought, okay, Salah might actually start in the striker position. Because in the last, the big games, you know, the ones in the top six, he's been on the right wing, out wide to create space. I thought to sort of stretch the stretch the play, he might start up front, and he stayed on the right, and I think that was such a good decision by Klopp, because that allowed that allowed him to sort of stay in that half space in between the centre-back, Koulibaly, and the, and the left-back there. And I think that's where he did so much damage against, against Roma, and I felt like this performance really reminded me of that performance there, um, in the same way that he was... He couldn't... He, no one knew who... No one, you know, could cover him, and I thought that was very impressive. Uh, I also yeah. think, I completely agree with you, Koulibaly was phenomenal. Um, I think it's wrong to people saying that, you know, um, he's not that good, look what Salah did to him. No, he had a really good performance and the he goal did. that he conceded, that's, that, wasn't, that wasn't his fault really. Absolutely. I mean, Neil Atkinson said a very interesting thing on the Anfield rap. I don't know if you if you guys have heard that, but uh, he said, you know, that the numbers for a defender are different for an attacker. I mean, Koulibaly won nine out of ten duels against Mo Salah, but Mo Salah just, you know, he he won one of them, and and we won the game one nil. Uh, so it's not it's not very fair on defenders. It's a very very good point because Koulibaly was excellent, and we can you know you, we can sort of daydream of a Koulibaly Van Dyke partnership, but then you know you got to remember we got Joe Gomez coming back and and uh, Joel Matip staying. Uh, you know you know talking about defenders. Um, Let's talk about our defence. Jo- Joel Matip, I mean, it, it, have you heard the news? He's out for six weeks. He finished the match with a broken collarbone. Absolutely tragic. Um, Seho, what did, what did you think of uh, of his performance? But, you know, our defence in general yesterday, Seho. He was playing so well. The last couple of matches he's been playing really well. Um, I think his forward passing is better than Van Dijk's even. He's got really good uh, understanding or how to break the lines with his passing. Um, and he showed good positioning as well the whole match. So having his collarbone fractured for six weeks, especially now that Joe Gomez is out, is a really tough one to take. It'll be interesting to see what happens in, uh, in January to see if they do go and get some reinforcements. Delight might be, might be an option, but you, know, you have to remember that Joe Gomez is coming back. Um, really unfortunate. Let's see how Lovren does. Nathaniel Phillips also looked very good in pre-season. So, I would be confident whoever is next to Virgil and and Robertson as well, and in front of Allison, I'd be I'd be confident with them. I think Robertson is is one that we 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 uh, we can't afford to lose really because uh, you know the drop off to Moreno is too great. But uh, but yes. But, but talking about you know last night, I mean Trent played extremely well. I thought Mathieu. He did. He did. Yes. I think uh, I saw. I saw something like uh, he created six chances for the game, um, which is actually more than uh, the whole team of Napoli. Uh, it just it just tells you everything about uh, about the player that we saw last night. Uh, it just can't stop running down that wing and uh, just uh, just crossing for the for the whole team. And um, I I'm just I'm just so happy that uh, that this guy broke into the team last year. And yeah. that uh, we've got it covered for years now. Um, but I've got a question: uh, Is he now injured? Because he, he went off last night. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, we. 
I, I haven't heard any news today, but he did go off and he did seem in a lot of in a lot of pain. And they said they were sending him for tests today. Um, yeah, we should find out tomorrow. I've heard. Okay, yeah, because there was nothing on the official site yet about it. Imagine we lose we lose Matip and uh, and Trent. So that's uh, Van Dijk and Lovren, uh, but on the right, uh, who Rafael Camacho? <laughs> it might even be Fabinho because uh, Klein's injured as well. So. I think we've got options. I mean, I think, uh, uh, yeah, Fabinho can play there. Milner can play there. And uh, young Rafa Camacho, I mean, I I rate him. I mean, I think he, he's got he's got something about him that, uh, you know, he could be could be a killer. It could be the the birth of a of a new star. Anyway, go back going back to this match, though, Virgil van Dijk yet again the colossus of Rhodes, the titan of the Netherlands. Yeah, he was fantastic. Um, out of the two big centre-backs, him and Koulibaly, I think he, he impressed the most. Um, I think it's really, really unfortunate that he got that yellow card. Um, having looked back, I understand it. Um, but I think, he, I think he misses the next match at home, which is going to be a very, very big miss because he seems to elevate everyone. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens when he's not there. I don't, I don't actually remember the last match that he didn't play. So. Yeah, I don't think he's he's missed many, if any. Yeah, I don't remember. But yes, he'll miss. So he missed the first leg of the of the next round. But uh, I mean, what a performance! And uh, and Mathieu, um Allison's save. We haven't even talked about that yet. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I loved uh, the 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 quote from Club today saying. Uh, if he knew how good uh, Alisson was, uh, he would have paid uh, double for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it tells you everything. Um, last games we played, uh, Alisson uh, just made some incredible saves. Um, we've seen we've seen him clearing clearing crosses, clearing corners, uh, just instilling some calmness uh, inside your defense. And last night was just. Uh, was just the top of it. Uh, the the save he made, uh, yeah, I just uh, I didn't I didn't have uh, I didn't have any clue uh, at the moment how how he managed that. Uh, on the replay, you could you, you could think that uh, it's actually Milik who who plays a really really bad shot, uh, just uh, putting in uh, right in the center. But you can actually see that it's just Alisson so quick with his feet in the time to get right in front of him and making himself so big that the man got no chance to, to actually put it in. Um, yeah, incredible save. Uh, I decided now that uh, I love two men on earth, it's Steven Gerrard and Alisson. <laughs> <laughs> I heard, I heard that save uh, was actually worth 7.5 million euros. It was 1.5 million for the win. And because of that, we reached the round of 16, and that's 6 million euros. So uh, it's already paying off. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I heard a figure of 11 million from uh, from James Pierce of the of the Echo, but maybe he was being, uh, I don't know, maybe he'd, he'd factored in sort of shirt sales for Alisson as well after that save. It was beautiful. Um, the midfield then, Vineldum, uh we talked a little bit about Henderson and Milner, 
I mean, they were superb. I really appreciated Jeannie Vinealdum's performances. Lots of tackles, lots of keeping the ball in the last minute, dancing around the defence when all of Anfield was wailing at him to, to whack it to the corner or whatever. And uh, he was he was coolness personified. Uh, yes, Jeannie Vinealdum. Mathieu, what did you... Well, I mean, or Henderson or Milner, our midfield... What did what did you think? They were all of them fantastic. As we said uh, just before before the game, we saw a lot of uh, complaints on, uh, especially on social media, about uh, Klopp uh, putting this this midfield uh, for the game um, with people asking for Fabinho or Navigator. But uh, just these three, uh, Wajnaldum having having the best season uh, of his career, I believe, uh, being our, our best midfielder uh, this season. And Henderson and uh, and James Milner bringing bringing on their just the loads of experience, and uh, they're just so eager to win the ball back every time and just to to play it simple. Uh, this made all the difference last night. And I I mean for very important games like this, uh, especially in the in the Champions League, that's the kind of player that you want to have in your team on the pitch. Uh, you you don't win you don't win Champions League uh, with uh, with great uh, new players. You need experience as well. How how can we Liverpool uh, go and uh, play actually without James Milner and Henderson? I don't think that's even possible. Yeah, when you true. just you when you, you you have to remember what they achieved last season. Uh, half the season with actually three or four midfielders only uh, to play three or four months of football at the highest level and they just delivered every single game and uh, that's what they did again last night. They did. Sahil, talk about our midfield. I I agree with everything you said and I think what was interesting is that last season everyone says that that midfield it took us to the Champions League final. What was interesting is that actually that midfield only, uh, I think it only played three games that midfield in the run to the Champions League final because we had Oxlade, Chamberlain, and that made a very big difference. So I think that's why people are a bit apprehensive about playing those threes. Absolutely. But, you know, with with an attack like we've got, I mean, how good does the midfield need to be? Um, I mean, Mane, uh, Bobby Firmino, um, you could say that they were saving up their misfortune if you like Mane was just sort of I think he was deliberately missing so that the law of averages will even out for the rest of the season and he won't go through such a poor patch of uh, in front of goal but he was absolutely whacking them either straight at the keeper or wide all game Uh, but uh, I loved his performance I loved how dangerous he was and uh, it's just, you know, one of those things. Sometimes they go in, sometimes they don't. I thought Firmino tried hard. Um, he's looking a bit fresher than he was a couple of games ago. Um, and was a very important link and won some good tackles. Manny as well, he won two tackles on the edge of our box. Uh, and he gave away some good fouls as well. Um, and then Mo Salo, I've already talked about. I mean, he's a guy I'd probably not only get him on the back of my shirt on the back of that game I'd I'd probably sort of graffiti his name all over my house and on most buildings that I that I cross in the street um but yes our attack Mathieu I mean it's good enough to win the Champions League this year isn't it and the Premier League yes it is 
it is definitely. Um, I think uh, they proved it last season. They are on the verge of proving it again. Um, top of the league in Premier League. Uh, obviously, uh, giving uh, still giving the the answers to to important games in the Champions League. So we don't have any any concern actually about our attack at the moment. I fully trust them. Um, so. The, I think the only issue could uh, could be like for, for example, that the the away games that we did uh, at Napoli in uh, in Belgrade is just uh, when the whole team don't show don't show up. Uh, even if uh, your attack is uh, is wonderful, you cannot do much. Uh, if they don't get the the, the, the service uh, the service they need, they cannot do it uh, just on their own. But that's true. That's true. Uh, what do you think, Sahil? Yeah, I agree. I saw a lot of tweets saying that uh, Mane was trying to waste time kicking it really wide on purpose to uh, wind down the clock. And I would love that to be true. Well, but yeah, they were yeah. fantastic. Um, I think throughout this season, I think if there's one player that we would miss the most, possibly even more than Andy Robertson, uh, it would actually be Firmino because I don't think anyone can do what he does. I think he's almost invented a whole new position. Um, like a defensive midfielder, someone must have invented that. I think he's only gone and invented a defensive central forward, the first one I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, I mean, he is in, in, integral, and, and, and that stat that he'd played in every single Klopp European game since Klopp joined the club um, tells you a lot about how, how crucial he is. Um but I, I'm, I slightly disagree with you there. I have to say because I think if Firmino does, if Firmino does miss out, then we can put Mane and and Salah a bit closer together. Or uh, you know, we could you know, Sturridge has been in good form this season. Um, I think we can, you know. But 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 I love having him available, and when he is available and fit, then yes, absolutely, one of the first names on the team sheet. Um, but yeah, look at look, some stats for that game in general. We had 22 shots to Napoli's eight. Uh, they shaded the possession with about 52%. Um, our pass success rate was better than theirs, 79%. And I think this one is an important one. We had 79% pass success and they had 76 Um which is it's good, although we can improve on that. That's something we can improve on. We tried 11 dribbles each. Uh, we won more aerial battles, 21 to 20. Uh, and they had more tackles, 23 to 19. Although we won the match, so I don't care. I thought we were. I thought it was quite. I thought it was quite dominant, and it could have been three, four, five, six. Um, but. I'm just so happy for that. I'm just so happy. It was just such a wonderful, wonderful game. Um, imagine the worst had happened, Mathieu. Imagine we'd lost or Alisson hadn't pulled that beautiful save uh, out right at the end and we were in the Europa League today. What would the possible consequences of that have been? I don't know why. But uh, this season, um, I'm actually more focused uh, on winning the Premier League uh, than the Champions League. Mm. Um, so it's probably due to 
to the to the many years that we've gone uh, we've gone uh, with uh, missing the Premier League, and uh, also due to the fact that we we've actually delivered uh, last year uh, in the Champions League, reaching the final. So I wouldn't have been uh, really really bothered if we if we went out of the of the Champions League and um, and had to play the, the the Europa League. Really. I mean, don't you think that the, the 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 Europa League could have hampered our progress in the Premier League in terms of playing Thursday, Sunday? It could have, it could have, of course, because um, I always think that uh, staying in the Champions League, winning important games, uh, builds uh, momentum for, for the whole team. And it actually uh, makes you win also your important games in the Premier League. And so that's that's of course uh, that's of course uh, one big thing. But uh, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, we've been building the the reputation of Liverpool uh, the past two seasons. Uh, it's back. Uh, we are uh, on the front stage now uh, with Klopp and uh, and all big players and everything. Uh, everything's great that is going on at Liverpool at the moment. So I have the feeling that this season we don't really have to prove ourselves uh, as much as we did uh, as last season in Europe I mean so I'm more focused on the Premier, I'm more focused on the Premier League and yeah so if we had gone out to play the, Euro, the Europa League it would have been the end of the world for me okay go on Sahil yeah um, I saw a few tweets similar to that actually because if, if I was to offer you Matthew the <laughs> Liverpool winning the next two Champions Leagues or winning this season's Premier League, which one would you choose out of that? Oh, the Premier League. That's the thing, and I think a lot of people would agree. So I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, the only reason I disagree is that I think the I didn't want the Europa League simply because of the travel. You know, I, I yeah, like Sahil, like, I understand where you're coming from, Matthew. In terms of our reputation across Europe and among the very best players, the very best players, they want to win everything, everything they can. And I think it would be such a step down to go to back to the Europa League, you know? Like, I remember that team under Klopp where we got to the Europa League final, we qualified for the Champions League, we got to the Champions League final, and then we got knocked down to the Europa League. I think that could have set us back a couple of years, actually, in terms of building and sustaining the reputation as a truly competitive club on all fronts. I think it was absolutely huge yesterday. And, uh, you know, like you were saying, I think, uh, you know, the difference between, um, you know, competing in the Champions League Tuesday, Wednesday and playing the best teams. You play Juventus, let's say, in the next round. And then after that, we play, I, don't, I haven't checked, but let's say, for example, we're playing Brighton or Huddersfield or Crystal Palace after. Then, you know, it's going to spur us on, I think, to, 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 you know, raise our quality level even higher up to Juventus. And then so playing Brighton will be a breeze. Well, I see. I see what you mean. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm the I'm the happiest man on earth to to be in the Champions League, still going through. But obviously, we I think we're going to qualify for for next year's uh, Champions League as well. So we've been in the Champions League the past two seasons. We're going to be in the Champions League next season. If I had to pick out of these three or four seasons in a row, one 
to get out of the Champions League, unfortunately, and play the Europa League, I would have taken this season because we've got the group of players to go and win the Premier League. And actually, I think all Champions League group was probably the toughest with PSG and Napoli. So it wouldn't have damaged uh, or new reputation that much than it would have been, for example, last season with uh, smaller clubs, uh, respectfully, bearing uh, in our group. Yeah, I understand that, actually. If there was one season that we had to leave the Champions League in the group stage, the least detrimental to the reputation would have been this season. I understand that. But, luckily, it didn't happen. Yes, luckily. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to win them both anyway this year, this season. You know, put your money on the double, put a monkey on it. Especially if we get drawn against some team like Juventus and then people will be like, oh, you have no chance. Bring them on, I say, bring them on. Um, Sahil, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to you on this one. Um, um, I just want to finish our, our chat about you know yesterday's game, talking about the manager. Uh, how good is Jurgen Klopp? Would you swap Jurgen Klopp for anybody uh, in 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 world football? And uh, you know, is he the man to take us to the promised land? Of, of of trophies and titles and European glory and immortality. Um, yeah, uh, absolutely. I think he is. I think he's the best manager in the world for Liverpool, and I think he will. Um, I think one of the only criticisms of Klopp that there was when he joined was that is he going to be able to adapt? Does he have one style of play, and is that how it's always going to be? But I think what we've seen what we've seen this season is that he can adapt. He's gone from being the best attacking manager in the world to the most defensively strong manager in the last 20 years. Um, so that's shown me that he can adapt. He's not stupid. He might say, oh, we don't need a new goalkeeper, but he's going to buy answers. He might say, oh, he knows exactly what we're thinking. Every single year we've seen improvement. There hasn't been a, a down year yet. Um, so I also think... One of his main opponents in the best manager question would have been Pep Guardiola. And I think Pep Guardiola is very good if you are already an elite team. If you're an elite team and you want to take the next step, then you should get Pep Guardiola. If you are a team that is finishing 6th, 7th, 8th, there's no point in hiring Pep Guardiola. And that's why Klopp, when he was signed, was the best choice and remains to be. Very good answer. Very good answer. Mathieu, how good is Jurgen Klopp? Yes, that's uh, too good an answer from Sahil. That's uh, <laughs> everything I think. Um, I wouldn't swap him for any other manager in the world at the moment. He's he's just the perfect fit for for all team or club. You just you just know that uh, he's tactically intelligent. He he knows how to bring out uh, the best of his players, all of them, even almost. I would say average player can become great uh, under under a coach like him, and I I don't know I don't know how he does that. And of course he's also like a genuine human, great human being, uh, so that helps. <laughs> That's a good point because when we signed Shakiri, I thought, you know, he does he's he has been he's been good, but he's been quite average. But Klopp was sure Klopp was so sure that Shakiri is going to do well. So I think the eye that Klopp has for talent. I don't think uh, there are many managers who can do that. Yeah, he's got he's, he's got this effect on you that every time he picks out his team, you just 
you don't you don't you don't even have to think about it. You don't even you don't even have to question it. You know it's the right choice at the right time with the the available players. It's it's the mo it's the strongest team that we can bring every time every time. So it's yeah. Uh, yeah. and for for owners it's also so relaxing. It's like having one back in your defense. You know you don't have to think about what he didn't do or what he could have done. Uh, you know he, he always does the best choice. Totally. I mean, I I mean I love him. I love him. I think if I if I'm gonna get a tattoo, uh, I'm gonna get Jurgen Klopp probably on on I don't know just like all over my body. I might have about twenty five tattoos, all of Jurgen Klopp. Um, I mean he's I I think he's brilliant, and you're right. He's tactically he's malleable. He's 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 changed some some things all for the better. Um, you know in terms of our style of play. I I only look for progress year upon year that's all I've ever done from any Liverpool manager and so progress for me this year I mean obviously you can't expect to win the Champions League but uh, you know to have another good run in the Champions League and to finish anything uh, closer to, to to the top than uh, than we were which was I think 25 points from the top on 75 points we're going to smash that we're going to absolutely smash that. We've we fixed our progress is is insane, you know. With our with our new brilliant goalkeeper and all the other additions and the improvements, game by game of the of of the whole team, and it's just beautiful to watch. It's great to be a fan of this wonderful team. And I've spent most of the day smiling. Um, how have you spent your day, Sahil? Have you, how, I mean, how many times has this game been flooding back to mind and making you smile in the, in the sunshine of it all? Oh, I, I, I'm not even kidding every 10 minutes. Every 10 minutes I think about it. Um, I keep replaying the Allison phase. No, I just love seeing it. I've watched the highlights about three times, then I watched the individual players' highlights against uh, Napoli. You know, I I love it. Um, it makes my week. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, and you, Mathieu? I mean, how have you spent your day? Uh, started my day quite tired from last night's celebrations. <laughs> <laughs> Went to the office. Got got myself a good cup of coffee and then uh, started to watch the highlights again for the tenth time. So, yeah. <laughs> it's always the same effect when we win. I just can't help it to to go through the highlights. Then I wait for the extended highlights. Then I wait like Sahil for the individual performances on YouTube. So yeah, I've been uh, I've been following every Twitter news all day, uh, just uh, watching as many replays as I can. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, absolutely brilliant, is it? Just before we go then, I mean, thank you. We've been talking for a long time on this, but I mean, I could carry on forever personally, but uh, we do sort of, you know, need to edge towards the end here and talk about there's a, some team, I, I think, uh, there, some some mid-table team we're facing on, on Sunday. Manchester United are coming to Anfield. Um, we're going to absolutely hammer them. We're going to take Mourinho. We're going to unzip his trousers, pull them down, put him over our knees and spank his bottom for about 95 minutes. And uh, it might be 10. 
that's my prognostic. Um, we're gonna, we are gonna hammer them, aren't we, Mathieu? Hammer them? I'm not so sure. Uh, to be, to be really honest, I'm not overly confident uh, about the, about this game uh, against United. Uh, the main reason being that um, Liverpool, uh, we tend to deliver great games and then the, the next one being quite poor, usually. It's just some kind of a habit that I've noticed over the years. When we do one, one really, really great game, uh, we tend to slow down the next one. Um, obviously, last night was a lot of... Um, a loss of uh, energy lost in the battle uh, from our players or defense is uh, actually really weak at the moment I think uh, in terms of uh, players availability um, so yes I think we will have to bring a new midfield together for this game because of uh, James Milner or Fabinho dropping to play right back uh, we will probably have to to make some changes uh, in our front line as well with um, with uh, Salah playing uh, playing playing a great game last night, but uh, also giving uh, giving loads of energy. Sadio Mane having uh, still recovering from a foot injury, so I'm not so sure that we're going to to really batter them. But um, what uh, what I like is that uh, as we said, our team is uh, fundamentally different this season in the way that we don't just attack and win four nil. We control games now, and our defense is uh, is genuinely tactically strong. So I think we're going to win, but I don't expect an easy one. Excellent answer, Mourinho. I mean, I, 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 you know, perhaps I was a little bit, little bit too uh, optimistic there. I mean, Mourinho does have a a track record throughout his career of, you know, uh, pissing on everybody's uh, fires and, uh, you know, like just ruining everyone's fun um which he might do again on sunday of course but you know the positive side of that is that he would stay in his job in which he's doing a fantastic job of slowly ruining a great institution uh, and just doing enough to keep in the job as well with victories over teams like juventus i mean absolutely he's doing brilliantly Mourinho in all the way um, thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And, um, you know, I, I wish, well, I wish you well for the rest of the week. And, uh, you know, good luck to us on Sunday. Very, uh, you know, very finally, what's, uh, you, you say 2-0, Sir Hill? Is that what you I say? I think 2-0, yeah. 2-0, two two nil. Nil. Matthew? I actually think that we will concede one, so I think we win, we'll win 2-1. Two 2-1. One. Two one. That's a good, it's uh, a good prediction for me. Um, honestly, seven-one. So let's go into a bit more detail about Liverpool versus Manchester United on Sunday, a game which I, like most Liverpool fans, am looking forward to with all the anticipation of an SNM enthusiast hearing the pair of fluffy handcuffs around his wrists click shut. Here to ponder what lashings of either fun or pain, or maybe both, that may lie ahead is Echo Aqua Copon's very own Manchester United correspondent in chief. Manchester United, okay, 2018. 
Um, you've played 16 matches in the Premier League. I'm not going to talk about the Champions League. We're going to talk about the Premier League. You played 16 matches. Um, you've won seven. You've lost four. You've drawn five. You've scored 28 goals. And in comparison, uh, Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham City and Liverpool have all scored more than you. Uh, but the most surprising thing for me is that you've conceded 26 goals, which is more than those clubs I just mentioned. It's also more than the Ev. Uh, it's the same as Bournemouth, it's more than Leicester, it's more than Wolves, West Ham, etc, etc. But it's even more than Crystal Palace, who are in six, 16th position, and they've got Roy Hodgson as the manager. Surely it's time for Mourinho out, isn't it? I mean, I think it's very easy to say Mourinho out at this stage. Um, the frustrating situation is the fact that you know every every now and again there's a good result. I don't know, uh, beat the young boys uh, going through into the Champions League. There's always that one little thing that allows him to keep his job, and for, unfortunately, it's not every week. But as long as there's always that little glimmer of hope that things can turn around, uh, um, it's always going to be the case that he's going to stay. Um, I also think there's a lot. There's a narrative at the moment uh, among, uh, well, you know. In inverted commas, uh, real fans, that real fans are approaching this as saying that uh, this is our lull. Uh, if you're a real fan, then you support your team through the highs and the lows, and this is just a low we have to put up with for the time being. So I actually don't think that the Mourinho out movement uh, uh, has got any more steam in it, really, unfortunately. What, what, <laughs> unfortunately, so you would, you would sack him if you were Ed Woodward? I mean, if I had a realistic backup, if I had another manager, another high-caliber manager that I could bring through, I definitely would. Um, the thing is, is that it's very easy to sack Mourinho, but then who's going to replace him and who can turn things around? We're, we're three managers in now in the post-Fergie uh, era, and uh, we keep trying to find this person that can do it, and so far, uh, no luck. Well, I I have to say, I haven't seen much of Manchester United. I've seen bits of a few games because um, I can't bring myself to watch it and I'm a football fan and I find it difficult to watch Manchester United anyway because normally you know you're quite good but this season I mean if you for example you beat Juventus or you know you lose to West Ham regardless of which Man United turns up um it's just horrible to watch. Is that is that just me, or is that you know? Because I've I've spoken to a couple of Man United fans, and they they've they've sort of switched off from the team. There's like a disconnect there. I mean, I think at the moment it's uh, it's not. You're certainly not watching Manchester United for pleasure at, at the moment. I think that the other top teams, and I say the other top teams, as if we're still up there among it. That's a perhaps a debate for later. But I think the other top teams they prioritise this entertaining football. I think that last year it was somewhat justified because despite the negative style, we were grinding out results. And now Manchester United find themselves in a situation whereby uh, they're not playing well and it's not working. I think the amount of goals we're conceding suggests that, you know, perhaps we were a bit too dependent on the here before. Um, and I just think that there's there's nothing in it. There's there's no definitive style. There's no definitive, um, uh, there's no definitive uh, sort of, plan. I, I, I don't know what Mourinho is trying to do. I don't know what Mourinho's aims for the season are. I don't know what he's prioritising. Uh, I think it's just, you know, this is a period we have to just sort of sit there and uh, 
see what happens. But uh, there's not a lot happening. Well, what about the Paul Pogba situation? What do you make of all that? I mean, it's, it's reverting back to this idea that the manager knows best. I think that, you know, if he really thinks he's bad for team cohesion and that it's not worth playing him, then part of me is tempted to sort of believe that Mourinho is right. If he's really disruptive in the locker room, if he's really causing problems, then he should be sitting out. Afterwards, you know, he's this super expensive footballer. He's this luxury uh, purchase. We don't need to use him. Uh, we need to exploit him commercially or we need to send him on his way. And at the moment, maybe, maybe that's the plan for January. And I think it'd be a shame if he went, but there's no point paying these high wages for this player. The manager doesn't want to play. There was the debate a few weeks ago, sort of a few months ago, when it was all kicking off with Mourinho and Pogba, when some fans were saying it's either one or the other. And people were choosing a side. I, I just think that, you know, it goes back to the thing, no, no one's bigger than the club. It's, it's happened so many times with United, and it would be a shame to let Pogba go for a second time. But if he thinks he rules the roost, if he thinks that, you know, he's the big dog, then perhaps Mourinho is right, and perhaps he should sort of be left out and eventually sent on his way. I've got to say, I'm inclined to agree with you. I mean, I think uh, any player that kicks up a stink is being extremely unprofessional. Um, Yes, I mean, no player is bigger than, than the club, especially a club of Manchester United's stature. I mean, you, you know, you are the enemy, and it turns my stomach to say so, but uh, you are a great club after all. Um, uh, but anyway, Sunday, 5 o'clock p.m. UK time, 6 o'clock here in France, Liverpool Man United at Anfield. Um, what do you think? Are you, go are you even going to watch it? I mean, <laughs> it's it's worrying because I just think that, you know, a few years ago, it wouldn't even be a question. It would be, of course, I'm going to watch the United-Liverpool game. It's such an important game in the season. Uh, but it's true. This game could easily pass me by because, uh, and I, I hesitate to say this on what I know is a Liverpool podcast, but, I mean, <laughs> can can we compete? Is, is, it, is it worth turning up? We're... At currently, and I, I allow myself to say it because it's not going to be a long-term situation, fingers crossed, but we are currently, uh, I mean, you know, dare I say it, a, a, a mid-table team going to the top of the league club at, away. Don't, so uh, in, in normal circumstances, I'd be well up for this match, but now I just think, you know, it might be a, a trial to just to get through. Yeah, wow. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, it's crazy to to hear that from the... From a Man United fan, but I mean, is it is it really just a, a lull? I mean, I don't know. I think it's a really interesting situation. I mean, you know, if you got a better manager in, he could probably get the best out of players like Pogba. Um, if you keep faith with the manager, then he's got a he needs a lot of backing from the fans and from the board in the transfer market. So, I mean, in general, would you back, would you give Mourinho the money to spend? And can you see yourselves really on a proper upturn to, to finish, let's say, top four this season? I mean, I, I, I still believe the top four is possible. I don't think it's out of the question. Uh, afterwards, your more general question about Mourinho, well, I just think he's bought all of these players now, the amount of money he spent on, you know, uh, Matic came in, he was great, and then he was just fine, uh, Pogba, Fred, etc. I think that, to some extent, obviously there was this big debate about buying defenders over summer, but I think that 
every time Mourinho is given some money, uh, look what happens. You know, Sanchez, he was allowed to buy Sanchez. Has he set, set the league alight? Not really. I just think when you, he's bought sort of seven or eight high-priced players, and part of me wants to just keep hoping that if he can sort of find the right players and if he has the money available to him, then he can attract something that's going to turn things around. But, I mean, so far, none of the purchases have really been worth the money. I mean, at the same, I mean, I say that, but, you know, he doesn't play Pogba, he doesn't play Fred, so perhaps it is a question of the manager. Perhaps the purchases they're making are wise, perhaps they're wise investments, but then he didn't really know what to do with a player like Fred, he didn't really know what to do with a player like Pogba, so if that's the case, then maybe he should move along. But, you know, as the last time I was on the podcast I spoke about last season, I was like, well, I'd like to put the faith in him. He's got us through to second. It's not always been sexy, but it's been functional. But I sort of was hoping that this season things would kick in and he would sort of have an idea of where he wanted to go. After this amount of games, I just, I, I don't know what his plan is. I don't know what he wants. And if he can't sort of show the fans what he wants, then, you know, maybe he should go. Wow. Final question then. Uh, what's your prediction for Sunday? My prediction for Sunday? Uh, you know, you always see these games where the, the, the top of the league team goes to the mid-table team and there's an upset. So why not imagine an upset? Why not imagine a, a 2-1 United victory? We can dream. I love it. Love your optimism. Thank you so much for joining me, Echo. No problem. And, and uh, uh, best of luck for Sunday. Well, you don't mean that. <laughs> you know, I, I like to be polite, nevertheless. We'll see how I feel <laughs> on Sunday afternoon. Well, I wish you all the worst luck in the world. Five red cards and a 12-0 a victory for the, for, the, for the Reds of Liverpool. But uh, apart from that, I mean, you know, I hope you have a lovely week before that and uh, you're not too disappointed after yeah well we'll see won't we we shall see and that about wraps it up for another episode of cop on thank you so much for joining us thank you thank you thank you whoever you are wherever you are whatever time it is um do hope you're happy i mean things are looking pretty rosy from liverpool's point of view um please send me your thoughts cop on podcast at gmail.com send questions hate mail malware uh whatever you want really uh you could also get in touch on twitter you can follow us at cop on podcast until next time me hearties i'm just going to keep sailing around these rings of Saturn and thinking back to those glorious times of Tuesday night.